Are you looking to have a true vacation where you can relax and enjoy, but you're afraid it's going to break your budget? Learn how to score amazing deals and travel hack for your next trip. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. During these last two episodes, we've been talking about building a better budget. I wanted you to see how you could create a budget that allows you not just to pay the bills, but also balances taking care of your future financial goals, along with having some fun here and now. We've personally found that you're more likely to stick with your budget if you include room for things and experiences you truly enjoy. For many families, travel falls into that category. It does for us. Actually, we recently took a trip to Florida and had an incredible time relaxing and catching up with some loved ones in the area. I know some families, though, are worried about the rising cost of trips. I just recently saw that rental cars have skyrocketed over 20%. Then you factor in the service industry staffing issues, and it almost seems like you're getting less, but paying more. However, with some planning, you can have a wonderful vacation affordably. I'd like to share a few of the highlights of our last trip so you can see how you can snag some travel deals with your next vacation. And I'm also happy to have Zach Hood from our partner Travel Freely on the show. He's going to share how travel hacking works and how to approach searching for the right rewards card for you. We have a lot to cover, so let's get started. Last month, we had a fantastic family trip down to Florida. We got to go to the beach for a few days and relax, catch up with friends in the area we hadn't seen in a while, and explore some places in the city. As good as it was, though, we did have some hiccups in our trip, but that's how life is. Overall, though, we were happy we were able to recharge and kind of reset things and stay within our budget. But as you know, if you're a parent, planning a trip has an extra level of work because you're trying to make multiple people happy and you're trying to balance things out and you want to stay within the budget. Some typical expenses for trips can include lodging, whether you're staying at a hotel, bed and breakfast, or Airbnb. You're also looking at transportation. How are you going to get there? Plane, train, car, or bus? And how are you going to get around when you are there? Then there's food and enjoying the local area. Maybe it could be some festivals, attractions. Then, of course, depending on what kind of travel you are, you might want to pick up souvenirs for yourself or your friends back home. The cost of taking a trip can vary greatly, as you can see, depending on the choices you make. We were able to stick with our budget because we've developed some kind of travel habits, I would call them, when we take a trip that hopefully will help you. First of all, one of the biggest decisions we had to make, we're here based in Raleigh going to Florida, was how we're going to get there, that transportation. For us, we started looking at the three main ones. We looked at planes, trains, and possibility of driving down. 
We've flown down and we've driven down before. One of the pluses with a car is it is the most affordable option, even when you consider gas. But with two kids in the car and it being a 10-hour drive, if everything goes well, we were thinking we would have to break it up into two days of travel, which would add in a night at the hotel. The other option we were looking at is the plane. The great thing about that is that there are direct flights, but cost was an issue because last month was spring break and it was pricey. So that meant that that would take a bigger chunk of our budget. The last option we looked at and we actually went with was taking Amtrak down. I've ridden the train before, but always short like the subway or if we stayed outside of New York City, taking a commuter train in. But something like Amtrak, where we would sleep and then wake up in the morning in Florida, was different. The cost, though, was fairly comparable to taking a car and the hotel. It was pretty competitive, and it was cheaper than taking a plane. We chatted with the girls, and they were really excited if we could do the train. The adventure of it all was something that they felt would add to the trip. So running the numbers, it actually made the most sense for us. Going through spring break meant that we also had to make some adjustments with the train to keep it affordable because I knew for sure I wanted to splurge on eating out and enjoying some things once we were in Florida. So we did a compromise and we left in the middle of the week. That significantly saved us money. It dropped the price by a third, definitely making it much more competitive. And it was a fun adventure. It was a smooth ride down. We woke up and we got to Orlando in about 10.30 a.m. We picked up a rental car and then headed over to our final destination. Let's talk about the transportation. Going with the train meant that we needed to get a car rental. And out of all the parts of our vacation, this one was the big hiccup. We went through Priceline, and I've always had a great experience with the car rentals, and it's fairly straightforward. You basically prepay for your car rental. You go there, you show them the reservation. They might try to upgrade you, but you get your keys and you go. I would say the longest before this past trip I've waited was maybe 20 minutes because there were so many people at the same time. This was another story. Here I went with dollar car rentals and I was not happy with it. We ended up waiting three hours for our car rental, which was ridiculous. And while I was waiting, I was checking to see if this was maybe a mistake or something that doesn't occur. But I later realized it was something that was common. So if you are looking for a car rental, a lesson I learned this past trip is if it's a new company you have not worked with before, check the reviews. If you see a pattern, then go with another provider. Once we got the car rental, I'm happy to say things went a lot smoother. We were able to drive down to our Airbnb and we had a great time. So now we get into the next major cost which is where you're going to stay. And there's so many different options nowadays. You can go with the hotels, bed and breakfast, or Airbnbs, for example. 
During the pandemic, we had switched to Airbnb because of our concerns with COVID. But I have to admit, even though the pandemic has hopefully ended, we've really enjoyed staying at an Airbnb. We not only get a kitchen, which saves us money with our food costs during a trip, but we also found conveniently located Airbnbs that have great mom and pop shops, local spots away from the tourist destinations, give us a great experience, have fantastic food at a really reasonable cost. And then with two young kids, it is a great feeling that after you spend a day outside exploring the area, you might be tired, but the kids can run in the backyard while you rest. And if you're looking for the perfect Airbnb for you, check out the show notes. I have some resources on finding the perfect spot that's the right fit for you and your family during a trip. Finally, this is one of those I feel like you can splurge, which are the local experiences and eating out. For me, this is what makes a trip a lot of fun. You don't have to spend a lot of money though. What we do typically, especially having an Airbnb, is when we come into town, we go and do a grocery run. We get snacks for the week. We get some easy to go breakfast as well. And then when we eat out, we make sure we bring what we have leftovers home. And we found that it's a great balance because we are able to spend a little extra money when we're going out, meeting up with friends or just going to a, a new restaurant or place. But we're actually not breaking our budget. So when you go on a family vacation, it is a mix of saving and splurging, finding out what are the important experiences on the trip for you and making sure that you put the money there. I hope these travel tips help you. And if you have any more questions about how to take a trip with kids, maybe you're looking for some, or maybe you have a specific question about Airbnbs or finding the right car rental, don't forget we have a private Facebook group called Thriving Families. And if you reach out to me, I'm usually on there weekly. Tag me on Thursdays and I will answer your questions. We would love to see you there. I enjoy talking about saving and taking care of financial goals like paying off debt and investing towards retirement. I also am a big believer that your budget should reflect your priorities and what you enjoy. For many in our community, it's travel. It's the season, the weather's getting better. After the past couple of years, I was reading that it is actually higher than pre-pandemic levels for families planning on travel, but it can be pretty expensive, especially when you have kids in tow. I'd love sharing ways that we can reduce those travel expenses while still enjoying ourselves. But before we get into those travel tips, I wanted to ask you, Zach, why is travel a part of your budget? Why do you include it? And what do you enjoy about it? Yeah. So I would say it started at a very young age without knowing it really started to gravitate towards differences in people and places. And it could be just down the street when I was little versus another state visiting relatives or something, but there was something really cool and fun about new places, new people that progressed a little bit towards, as I got older, I was playing travel sports and visiting different cities and flying around a little bit. And then got to play tennis in college and that was even more travel and that nice. ended up a little bit of international travel is when it just like kept growing from there basically 
being able to use language I studied in high school, visiting places from my history classes, things coming to life. I think as I got more into an adult frame of mind, it was not necessarily like these big landmarks and places, but more like the food and the way of life, like what's so different? Why does no one watch college football in Southern France versus everybody uh, does in the US or, you know, things like that. And then realize there's so many differences. A little bit of my background is, or a lot is teaching. And then a little bit is nonprofit work in Latin America and Central America. And so just really people and places that are different, unique. We have so many cool things that are can be shared and so many differences that can be celebrated as well. So I think it's like kind of an endless journey to like travel and do new things, meet new people, make memories. There's all the cool experiences there. Then there's also a one-year-old and a four-year-old. There's also just the go to the beach and hang out and get me out of this normal life type travel as well. So yeah, it's definitely my favorite thing that I've done. The thing I enjoy most would be travel, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. We just got back from one of those, just we need to get away beach trips. We went down to Mm -hmm. Florida. We took the train this time. And that was Mm -hmm. nice because it's an otherwise 10-hour drive. So taking the train, sleeping on the train, waking up, having breakfast, and then going to the beach in Florida definitely was a lot of fun. But like you, I love not just there's landmarks, museums, things I do enjoy, but just being absorbed different communities, different cultures, different foods. It's just fun to discover something new. But something that you're known for, especially with Travel Freely, is making it easier for families to travel hack. So is how would you define travel hacking for maybe families that have heard of it, but they're not sure what that exactly means? Yeah, I think if you Google it, you'll find a lot of different definitions. And the whole definition of just being able to travel more or travel cheaper, finding cool deals. And there's little tricks of like how to get your flight status and things like that. But I think for me, you know, when I say travel hacking, you think of it, it's really like, what is the biggest wins I can get to get free travel? And there's a bit of like an efficiency mindset of like, I'm a busy everyday person. Like, what can I do that's going to have the biggest return on my time? And I don't have to learn everything. If you're spending tons of time on this, it's probably not travel hacking. It's like travel huge amount of hobby and activity. So I think for me, it's as simple as what are the best ways to earn free travel, travel more, those kind of things. And for me, more specifically, when I discovered this world of credit card rewards, points and miles, and then more specifically, like this secret hidden in plain sight of these really big bonuses, the banks are willing to offer you to be part of their clientele and be able to win you over. Those alone are double, triple, quadruple what my regular travel budget would have been on any given year. So that that's the fun part. And then I think um, the extra thing that needs to go in is with the points of miles and that earning, it's like your regular everyday expenses. So if, if you spend $1,200 to $1,500 a month on a credit card with regular monthly expenses, and lots of people are way beyond that, then you are in a great position to easily earn a lot of points of miles that can be redeemed pretty easily for good free travel. And at the end of the day, it's a few concepts to know. So my definition of travel hacking is probably very, very specific to a lot of other people's. It's definitely the biggest return on your time for the most amount of travel. I do like how you acknowledge like, I like getting deals, 
but then also my time is valuable. And that's one of the things I did like about Travel Freely is that it does the search for you so you can quickly see the rewards. What's great is if you're already planning on spending that money and if you use the credit card to put it and then pay off the credit card, you're getting the rewards and reaping those rewards, which can come in the form of, you know, like you mentioned, points. It could be miles or it can be cash back, which we'll get into a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are like, how do I compare that? Everyone sees free trips, like you mentioned, low cost or free trips. And that sounds incredible. And for the skeptical person in the family, it sounds a little too good to be true. I do want to address some concerns that people have. One is they worry that if we sign up for a credit card and we get the rewards and then we get another credit card and try to get the rewards, that sign-on bonus, that that's going to damage or they worry ruin their credit score. And is that true or how does that work with travel hacking? Yeah. So it's one of the rare things in life where too good to be true is it it actually is not correct. It it actually is, is true. And it starts with that credit score. There's a few just really basic things that are kind of misconceptions. And I think the credit score tools and education now is way better than five years ago, way better than 10 years ago, where it all comes down to why is this possible? The credit score itself, you just have to look at how is it formulated. And the basic theory is that the banks want to see that you're very responsible with credit that you have, and you need to have a decent amount of it to show that you're responsible. The credit score factors, there's normally six that make up the credit Mm -hmm. score, but in the biggest ones are all about being responsible with a lot of credit. So how many accounts do you have? Normally, the more accounts, the better. How much total credit do you have? The more, the better. Are you paying on time? That's one of the really big factors that's weighted heavily. And then in terms of your utilization, which is basically how much you use on a monthly basis does not mean how much you have as a balance on your card. So I'm not talking about carrying a balance at all, but how much are you using on a monthly basis compared to how much you have available? And the lower that number is, the better. So if you have more accounts, if you open up just one more credit card, that's an extra account, that's an extra X thousands of dollars on your overall credit, that means your utilization is going down. And those are the hugely weighted credit score factors that make up your credit score. The things like age of credit history and credit inquiries are on the low end. So those may not be best if you're opening another credit card or two, but the ones in terms of like being responsible, paying on time, higher limits, like those are all in your favor. And so that's all good news. And just one quick tip on that is like, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't do this because I didn't know when I started right out of college, mm-hmm. basically, if you have a really old card, whether or not mm-hmm. you use it, you want to keep that open because your age of account, average age of credit history is going to use that as like an anchor card to anytime you open a new card, it's still going to have that, you know, really old card to average out your age of credit. So just because you you may have like a target card from 10, 15 years ago and it's not a travel card. And after you listen to this, you want to go get a bunch of travel cards. Like don't cancel that one because it's really good for your credit. And uh, yeah, so I think the credit score thing is basically all 90% in your favor as of when you're doing this. And for the most part, I'm talking about, you know, slow and steady, even if you just get one extra card this year, you're so much far ahead than the average person. 
you get another card or two over the course of a year, you're fine in terms of the credit score. What actually happens is if you apply for a card, you open the account, normally that credit score, credit inquiry is like five or six points that goes Mm -hmm. down. And then over the course of 90 days, it goes back to the original level and exceeds it because you've got a new account, you've got more on-time payment history, you've got larger credit, your utilization's better. So all that to say, it creeps up there. And the last thing is basically if all the people I've talked to, myself, peers, friends, family, you know, 99% of us, our credit scores have been a high 700s in the 800s, like all the time. If you're one of those that like somehow loves having an 850 score and you achieve that, you know, you might go to 845 or something, but like, you know, what are you doing with the 850? Like get some free travel and have an 840 score is much better than, you know, sitting at home with an 850 score. Yeah. It's always interesting to me how the credit score works, but when you travel hack, responsibly and like you mentioned pay off the balance you do not win if you carry a balance month to month with us you also kind of touch upon the second concern was with families they worry about oh i don't want to get in credit card debt because a lot of them at this point have paid it off and to which as you mentioned and i just want to highlight take it slowly even if it's one or two cards because part of the big thing i had noticed you know reading with the travel freely guide there's a guide there too a lot of these sign-on bonuses, it's for X amount of days or X amount of months. So if you are putting your regular expenses or like in our case, we actually like replace roof. We time it with like a major house project and then pay it off. You can kind of stagger it in a way to reap the rewards and still keep it manageable where you're paying that off every month and not ca- carrying the balance. So I appreciate you talking about that. I want to circle about to those rewards itself, because one of the challenges I think families have is, okay, this card right over here is offering free miles and this one has points and this one is cash back, which is better for us. Just kind of back of the napkin doing the comparison. How could they sort that out? Like what's the best option for them? Yeah. So it's it's definitely overwhelming to see all these offers out there and every bank and every airline hotel has their own kind of rewards programs and they're all nuanced, but it's easy to get overwhelmed by it. <laughs> but I would say there's two main kinds of cards, which are important to understand. And maybe before even going into that in general, outside of hotel cards, the airline cards and the, what I would call wild card transferable points cards are all very rough value that you can put at one to one and a half cents per point or per mile. Basically, if you're looking at 50,000 points, you're looking at $500 as a minimum. And there's exceptions with the hotel programs where, you know, Hilton could offer you 150,000 points and it just doesn't equal what what you would think it would equal. So you have to be careful with some of the hotels, but mm-hmm. for flights and for the bank programs, it's pretty much, you know, one cent per point is a really good minimum. For me, I was doing a lot of presentations when I was starting travel freely and I couldn't figure out how to like explain that very well. And then it occurred to me, you can just take off the last two zeros of the point total move the comma out of the way to make it easier. And that's about the dollar, the minimum dollar value. So 50,000 points, take the last two zeros away and that's 500. And so when you're looking at the average bonus out there for credit card signups, you're looking at 
$500 to $800, sometimes $1,000 in the actual value. And most of those require two to $4,000 in spending over three months. And so at a minimum, you need to consider how much you're earning on it right now if you are into points and just getting one more card can give you that bump, which normally averages a regular person's like whole year of earning points of miles with the card they've had for a long time. And so I think that is super important. And then the other really important part is understanding that there's different kinds of points and not all points are the same value. And this is the risk of getting a little bit complicated, but basically I put two travel rewards cards in two different buckets. There's the what people would call the co-branded cards that are like the airline or the hotel where the like logo is on the front of the card. So it's like Chase and Hyatt, Chase and Southwest or American Express and Hilton. It's like you have a Hilton card or you have a Southwest card. Those are kind of co-branded and those are very much specific to the airline or the hotel. And you normally have to redeem those for hotel nights if it's a hotel card or flights with that airline if it's an airline card. And that's really where the majority of the country is in terms of like when they think of points and miles. So if you learn anything today, it's that's not how intermediate to expert travel hacker looks at credit cards. Okay. The number one, the top tier card is what a lot of people refer to as transferable points cards. I have an elementary school teacher background. So I call it an Uno wildcard. If anyone, well, there's a lot of families, so they'll probably know Uno. So basically with these cards, their points are much more flexible. If you want to get a flight, if you want to get a hotel, if you want to just get cash back, you can do that with those points. So every big bank normally for the most part has a couple really good cards that earn those kind of points from Chase to City to Capital One to Amex. And those are all point systems that aren't specifically tied with an airline or a hotel. Mm-hmm. They have their own travel portal where you can just book kind of like Expedia and instead of paying money, you pay with points. And then the other big part is they have these partners that you can transfer to normally pretty easily. If there's a lot of Southwest fans, then the Chase points you earn with a Chase card that earns their ultimate rewards points can be transferred over to Southwest at one-to-one. Okay. So. If you see a bonus for 80,000 chase points, it's not this obscure, weird bank program. It actually can also be Southwest. There's Hyatt United that it can be. So if you love Southwest points and miles, then you can literally get these points and transfer them over to Southwest. Mm. And so they're very flexible in, in how they can be redeemed. And even if you don't transfer those points at all and you just use their portal, then you can get pretty much any any flight you want, any hotel you want. Some of these portals have a little bit of a discount. So there's a boost where like for Chase, depending on the card you have, it could be a 25% boost to your points. So instead of like the one, one cent per point, it's 1.25 cents per point. Mm-hmm. And you're using points, you can pay taxes and fees with points and that kind of thing. So I find a lot of people have a little bit of a bad history with points and miles if they tried it before. And they feel like, well, I got this card and then we can never use it because we have to go on these dates and the flights are not available or we have to stop two different places or there are a crazy amount of miles. This wasn't even worth it. And that's really the second tier card. And 
And the first tier are these points in the cards that can earn very flexible rewards that not only can book most any kind of free travel, but also just cash back. If you get into a cruncher, like just want the cash back, you don't need to worry about, well, we're not going to make our payment this month, but we have a hundred thousand American miles. What can we do with this? Like you can actually convert those points into cash if you need to. I'm glad that you clarified that because I think a lot of people are, like you mentioned, either they've been burned or it just seems so confusing. I know I appreciated when I logged in to travel freely. Like you actually do have guides and short lessons to help people and take them through that. There's mm-hmm. one more question I know that I wanted to ask you, which is for yourself, what travel hacking wins or just travel wins in general have you had? Definitely a lot. Yeah, I'm just turned 40 this year and basically at 35 kind of accomplished like the bucket list. I'm kind of romantic dreamer, like out of college. And I like, you know, had all these hopes of like one day making it to these countries, doing these things. And basically by 35, like accomplished that using points and miles. And then the goals and dreams like became bigger and broader. And my wife and I are going to Australia and New Zealand for nine months later this year with our two kids flying. So one big win was we all got business class flights to Australia to kick off that trip. And the retail price of those flights is $28,000. And we Mm. got them for $190 in taxes each with with points. Even our one-year-old, it was cheaper for her to get a, a ticket in business class on her own than if we would have gotten her a lap infant ticket because you have to pay wow. 10% of the fee of the retail price. So that would have been like $700. So wow. I never imagined being able to do that kind of travel, like extended plus that kind of flight. And, you know, international business class was never on the radar growing up or out of college. And that's one of the coolest parts about earning points and miles with the bonuses is you can earn enough to pretty easily do that. And I've done that a few times, like did a tour of Turkey and Greece out of graduate school with the grad school, basically covered the flight for $14 on business class. And then the savings from that to cover the actual course and the tour. And so it's free travel wins, but it's also just expanding your budget and being able to do more with less. So those are some of them. My very first like travel redemption with my very first credit card bonus was flying my wife and I going over to Southern France before we were married. And that's where I proposed to her. And we used the first credit card bonus to get two round trip tickets over there. So needless to say, that was like an amazing start to learning all of this and figuring it all out. And I definitely am not someone that has the attention span to like do all the deals and (laughs) figure out what card to use, where all these different purchases It's just keep it simple. And that's the big part of it. This segment is brought to you by travel freely. I know we have some travel hacking families in our community who love using the rewards for family vacations. And there are many who want to join them. However, it can be tough to sort through all the offers. This is where Travel Freely can help. It simplifies your search and makes it easy to find the best offers and deals that fit your family and how they spend. So you are maximizing your rewards. If you want to learn more on how to travel hack your next epic family trip, 
please go to simplifyandenjoy.com slash travel freely. Before we wrap up, I want to share a few key takeaways I picked up from my conversation with Zach, our family vacation last month, and also preparing this episode. The first one is include travel as a regular part of your budget if that's something that's important to you. Sometimes we save for a vacation fairly close to when we're leaving, and then that becomes a burden on our budget. But if family time, getting away for a trip or even a weekend getaway is important to you, do yourself a huge favor by including it in your monthly budget. This is beneficial for a lot of reasons. It smooths out your cash flow with your budget, and it also helps you build up the habit of savings. And then finally, if you find something last minute, you can take advantage of those deals without throwing off your budget. The second takeaway is when you're planning a trip, know what your must-haves are and where you can be flexible with your travel plans. As you heard with the Florida trip, while schedule-wise for us personally, it worked out really well, it was also time for spring break, which meant we had to be creative if we still wanted to find a deal. And where we were flexible is leaving in the middle of the week. That allowed us to save a third on our train tickets. Finally, travel can be fun and you don't have to spend a ton of money. Depending on where you are in your financial journey and what your travel budget is, there are so many different types of getaways, trips, and vacations you can take. Work with what you have right now, and then you can always build up later. We are very fortunate and grateful to live in a state where there are national parks. We can go to the beach or go to the mountains, and it's fairly inexpensive. Look locally or regionally in your area. What are some great getaways that you can take without paying a ton of money. Don't forget, if you're looking to get started with traveling more and budgeting for it, make sure you're a part of our community. Besides sharing the resources for each episode of the podcast, I also like to include extra tips and tools to make simplifying your money, home, and life much easier. Just sign up at simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. Special thanks to Zach for being a part of this episode. If you want to learn more about travel hacking, see if it's a good fit for you, please check out Travel Freely. As always, I'll include links to the resources we've mentioned over at simplifyandenjoy.com. Next week on the podcast, buying a house is probably one of the biggest purchases you'll make. I want you to feel like it's a blessing and not a burden. So we're going to dive into three key parts of the process, preparing your finances, getting a great deal on the mortgage, and house hunting like a pro. We're going to kick things off next time with getting your down payment and family finances in a good spot for buying a house. So if you don't want to miss out on that episode, make sure you're subscribed. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, and more. Our theme song was by Staircases with additional music from various artists over at Audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you not only listening to the show, but sending in your questions and ideas for the podcast. 
and sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.